All right, welcome back, pool fans from across the country and around the world. You are listening to American Billiard Radio. Today is June the 1st, 2017, and I am Mr. Bond. I'll be your host once again this week, and I'll be joined by Daniel Bush way out on the West Coast. How's it going, Daniel? It's going great, and I'm glad it's June. <laughs> yes, me too. <laughs> I like spring. is is a beautiful thing, man. I um, it's my favorite time of the year, favorite, favorite, favorite. Which also means, Daniel, that we just had an announcement um, for from the Atlantic Challenge Cup uh, people. We have our teams. We know who they are. Yeah, we do know who they are. We're and, gonna have to um, send out some congratulations to them for sure. Yes, absolutely. And uh, we have what the one or two veterans that played last year. Yep. I believe that April Larson played last year. April Larson has played uh, three years, all three years in a row now. We have, uh, and she's just now 17. Sierra Reams, 18. Uh, let me start that over. Uh, April is from Bloomington, Minnesota. Sierra Reams, 18, from Richmond, Virginia. Nathan Childress, age 15, from North Chesterfield, Virginia. Shane Wolford, 17, from Troutville, Virginia. Ricky Evans, 15, from St. Peter's, Missouri. And Manny Perez, 19, from Overland Park, Kansas. Big fat congratulations to those guys for making the team. And I think they got their work cut out for them, <laughs> Daniel Bush. <laughs> Yeah, I agree. I mean, uh, you've got the two Russian players, uh, I believe. They're just really just kind of knockout players, aren't they? Uh, oh, absolutely. Absolutely. The, the European team is super strong. They're super strong. A couple of the girls, at least one of the girls, has been playing on the Euro Tour this year. So, you know, she's been playing basically. Is that, is that Christina? Yes, Christina Tuck. Uh, yeah. Christina Tot, yeah, Tot. That's her. That's her. She's very friendly, actually. I got to meet her last year at the uh, at the event in Schomburg, uh, right outside of Chicago. Here, great bunch of kids, friendly as could be. Uh, but wow, they are trouble when you get them on the table together. So, Americans, you guys got to better start practicing. Get your practice in. So, well, you know, the Americans, they should have just they pulled they should have pulled some West Coast players in. That's, that's <laughs> their problem, right there. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, you know, oh. maybe the West Coast isn't producing good youth players, Daniel. You know, maybe, uh, you know, maybe, maybe. Uh, I don't know. Uh, actually, that's one reason why I'm on the phone with you today, isn't it? Because we, we have some great news coming out of the we West Coast. We do have some uh, great news. Yeah. Fantastic news coming out from the West Coast. Um, a new junior program uh, basically just exploded onto the scene. And we have special guest, Mr. Steve Strange, who is responsible for this explosion. So welcome to the show, Steve, and tell us all about it. All right. Thank you very much. I appreciate you having me on. Uh, well, you know, I tell you, it's been a whirlwind uh, nine, ten months, you know, since July of last year. I got lucky enough that I ran into somebody. She gave me an email address for a principal of my son's middle school. And within a month and a half, we had four tables installed, and these kids have just been 
playing every day and absolutely loving it. That's uh, just they, you know, to be good. honest, I've never seen any kid run to class the way these kids do. <laughs> That's fantastic, man. I, I'm really excited for you. So let and let me clarify some details here so that everybody understands what's going on. You went to a regular okay. a regular middle school. Correct. And just ask them to, for use of a classroom for pool? Absolutely. I, I went in there, and I did go prepared. You know, I went in there with, uh, you know, some pool and billiards magazines and, and billiards digest and, and uh, some pictures of Chris Robinson. He actually was gracious enough to put together a nice PowerPoint to, you know, show the parents so that they could see what their kids could do uh, in the program. Yeah. And the principal was right on board. I mean, literally, as soon as I walked into his office, he wanted to show me the classroom he was giving me. Wow. That is just impressive. Are they are now not to, to be nosy, but are they charging you money to use the classroom? No, they are not charging me money. Uh, everything that has been done in this program is uh, been through complete volunteers. I mean, I can honestly tell you that maybe about two hundred dollars has been spent, and that was for me to uh, you know buy lunch for the guys who were moving the pool tables and, and putting them together <laughs> for us. Very good. How many? How many weeks or months have you been doing this? How long has the class been going, Steve? Uh, the first week of class started in October. And, um, you know, the, the majority of the year we were doing three week, uh, three days during lunch and then two days a week after school where I was doing an hour and a half each day. Uh, now, the last few weeks, the students have been competing in a round-robin uh, qualifier to participate in the Junior National Tournament in Vegas in August. And uh, as of yesterday, we have three students qualified, and those three students received uh, custom pea shower cues uh, from the pea shower for their accomplishments. So nice. they were pretty excited. Now, now is this That's like, what? is that a class that they can take? Or, I mean, uh, like, I don't understand. How do they get to play at school? Under what parameters? Okay. So as of right now, it is it is only during lunch. It is something that we I've talked with the principal about. We are going to talk to the district about eventually, or trying to create this into a, a an actual period class. Uh, right. Uh, but right now, it's just the third five forty minutes during lunch, and then the hour and a half uh, after school each day. We run that as it's like an after school program, just like sure. you would any other sport. Right. Right. Okay. That's I tell you what, that that idea of using the lunch hour and using, you know, after school time is just genius. I mean, if, if there's any, you know, what a way to take advantage of the loopholes of the, uh, <laughs> the uh, you know, school <laughs> district, right? Just say, well, right. you know, we don't want it to be a class right away. We want to give us our your lunch break and we'll show you. And so is there, what type of, you think it's going to be a long process, uh, and what kind of hoops do you have to jump through for that to become a real uh, adopted by the, the uh, school district as a as a teachable period? We are trying to get into the district level, and it is going to take some time. Uh, right now, all of our kids, you know, we're watching their grades jump up, which is great. Uh, these kids are absolutely loving this. You know, as of right now, though, the school district, you know, is still kind of skeptical. They want to see where this goes. And I think this summer when these kids uh, come back from Vegas, you know, and we have pictures of them with their, you know, school uniforms, jerseys on and, yeah. and everything, I think that's when the district's really going to 
really going to bite yeah. on it. No, that's well, I think good. I think it helps you too that you you uh, you manage to convince the principal right away. Yes. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yes. Richard Clevenger. Yeah, as opposed to just a teacher or some administrator there. Right. Uh, the principal of Sullivan Middle School, uh, Joseph Clevenger, has just been absolutely phenomenal, uh, and because of his you know generosity of allowing me to do this test program here and get these uh, tangible results, it has allowed me to also get the principal of Bonzel High School on board as well. So we will be starting with them next school year. Excellent. Oh, Excellent. man, this is so this is expanding for you. Yes, yes, which means, you know, uh, I want to get this out as much as I can. I mean, I want us to be like Starbucks in every school. Uh, but in order to have that happen, there's, you know, several things that need to happen. We need volunteers, uh, volunteers that can, you know, do instruction, volunteers that can make cold calls to, to school, uh, volunteers that are able to do, you know, flyers and stuff like that. Uh, we're also looking for donations, you know, any type of donations, whether it's videos or books or, or pull cues, because, you know, most of the kids are shooting right now with the, you know, really low-end right. uh, house cues that you buy from Sears or whatnot. Um, and we're also just looking for monetary donations because it really, uh, like I said, everything has been done through volunteer right now. Mm -hmm. But it, eventually we have to have something so that we can, you know, afford equipment upgrades and afford to get uh, our instructors, right. you know, certified and right. stuff like that. Right. I would imagine, too, uh, it's just, I think you left one thing out, which would be the obvious need for instruction as well. So some of the, some of the better players out there, the, even the professionals, Maybe the heroes that these kids look up to uh, would be, I'm sure, would be l lovely for you to ha have them make appearances and, uh, and, and, and work with these kids, oh, yeah. too, under sure. your supervision, of course. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I've, I've talked with uh, several pros, several guys that are, you know, definitely on board with the idea of coming in. It's just a matter of uh, mm -hmm. scheduling the time. You know, Rodney Morris was, was very receptive to it. Uh, he actually gave us one of his DVDs and autographed it. Uh, and so I actually, one of the kids won that DVD for the first tournament that we held in the school. Uh, that was kind of cool. And then, you know, Oscar Dominguez is mentioned coming down. So it's Chris Robinson, uh, John Smith. So everybody seems to be on board. It's just a matter of getting the time and, and getting it all coordinated the right way. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's fantastic stuff, man. What no? I mean, what gave you the idea to even, I mean, certainly, uh, a billiard school or a billiard classroom is not a new idea per se, but what made you think of that idea? You know, I actually, I deployed to uh, Okinawa a couple of years ago, and unfortunately my deployment, it, it wasn't really a deployment. I ended up being on the island in Okinawa, and I played pool. And I got lucky enough to meet uh, Robert Moreno, who's uh, one of my best friends now, this guy uh, was a ma is a master instructor through the PBIA, and he had talked about his school that he had there, the Okinawa Master Billiards Academy, and I thought, man, that's, you know, I've been wanting to put something together like this, and now I'm going to have the credentials to back me up when I say, hey, let me do this. Let us make this happen. Right. No. And so uh, it's been about a year now that I, I've been really pushing for this. Okay. So is you, it? Uh, go ahead. I would imagine, you know, a lot of people want pool lessons, you know, 
and usually those are people that uh, they already have some skill and they're looking to improve. Um, you know, so this this new demographic, this youth demographic, a lot of these kids, they haven't picked up a cue ever. I mean, that must be correct. How challenging has that become? I, I would imagine it's also been rewarding for you because you've probably seen some some kids take to it very naturally. But uh, uh, are you finding, uh, I mean, what are the challenges like of teaching the youth? You know, honestly, I find it a little bit easier than teaching adults because, you know, these guys, it's a clean slate. I'm right. able to build them from the ground up and not have to worry about uh, so much about trying to change bad habits that have been there for 30 years. Right. <laughs> yeah. You know, so these kids, uh, they pick it up really quick. Uh, you know, honestly, the three students that I had win this uh, qualifier, they, I mean, uh, you know, I got Adam Flores, Tatum uh, McLaughlin, and David Montero. Uh, I'll tell you, just the other day I watched Tatum run seven balls. He's 11 years old. <laughs> nice. Awesome. You know, uh, Adam, I watch him just firing balls left and right. You know, he comes up to me and goes, hey, coach, you know, I've been watching that from Mike Siegel's match, you know, and, you know, what do you think? Do you, do you think I could play like that or do you think I could do this? These kids are eating it up. They are taking in every bit of information they can. That's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. That is, and that's very so, encouraging, too. We had, we had a chat just prior to this, and, and, and I know that you – and you had also mentioned about you'd love this to be like a Starbucks, uh, you know, so – this actually opens up, you know, possibilities for the sport to grow with the youth because you, I mean, I don't, I don't, I want to just like reiterate what I said earlier. You know, you found this loophole with you using a lunch break and so <laughs> it makes it all perfectly legal. Now I know that might vary from state to state and you might get a lot of scrutiny from this school to that school, but it sounds like that is the, springboard that 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 is the platform and 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 i don't see any reason why uh you know anybody who's been wanting to teach the youth in uh in nevada or arizona or or texas or idaho or wherever it is to contact you and network with you to uh emulate this model right right absolutely i i agree absolutely i'm on board well and i was that's good Sorry, yeah, to, to add to what you were just saying there, Daniel, uh, I'll go ahead and throw it out there to the listeners. If any of you guys have ever even remotely considered uh, you know, setting up some kind of pool program at your school, now we have an example of it operating. It works. The school is pleased with it. The kids love it. If you need to use that as a reference have your principal or have your teachers call that school and talk to them. You know what I mean? There's an, it's, it's, it's there. It's working. They like it. So you don't have to convince your school. Let the other school convince your school that it's a fantastic thing to do. So it'll make it just that much easier for you when you have to pitch it to your school. You know what I mean? Yes, and I think it's important to mention too, and you know, Steve, maybe you'll agree, I think it's important to mention that, uh, you know, there's power in numbers. So Certainly. it might be, it might be uh, really key for you to use 
Steve's uh, as a model and even refer your, you know, the people that you're trying to convince or the people that you want to to sway to, 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 you know, maybe just contact Steve first and work with Steve and maybe you guys can just create a network, you know? And I think there's power in numbers. There's a lot to be said for that. And, and let's remember, too, this is still, like you said, an experimental phase, correct? Yes, yes. We're, we're still trying to make work out any little bugs that we run into, uh, which really hasn't been very much at all. You know, there has been a little bit of the, you know, the parents needing a little reassurance of what the value of this is. Right. Uh, but once they see it and once they see the confidence that it's building in their kids, and the expressions on their kids' faces and the fact that their kids aren't playing video games after school or right. they're not hanging out on the street corner, right. you know, they, they're they much more accepting to this. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. I, I exactly. totally agree. Well, I mean, if, if nobody else has said it, I am going to say thank you, Steve Strange, for going, first of all, for your service. Uh, my father was a Navy man, so... Hoorah, whatever that means. Oh, damn it. <laughs> um, the, uh, I want to thank you for not just your service, but your service to the industry and to the youth and in getting involved with this. Nobody made you do it. I'm sure that you're not going to make any, if very little money off of it, but what you will do will no, make I, yeah. a tremendous difference uh, in these kids' lives and, of course, the future crop of professionals in this country. So thank you to you, sir. No, thank you. Thank you very much for having me on. If, uh, if I could just give up my email address real quick, yes. if anybody wants to contact me, uh, I'm at SoCalBilliardAcademy.com. There you go. That is also the name of your domain name, correct? That's so, so that's that is, the name, that is the name of the domain name. Yes, and that should so, be, uh, it should be ready to go by tomorrow. It should be up and running. There you go. There you go. So now they know and, how to uh, get a hold of you. Yeah, absolutely. Like I said, we're looking for you know volunteers, donations, whatever you guys can do to help. I mean, this is this is going to be amazing. Yeah. Well, so, Steve, you, you got me on board, so uh, you know I'll, I'll help you any way I can. Yes. So, you know, I look, I look forward it, to Daniel. You, yeah, I look forward to you really setting your roots into this, and uh, you know, hopefully, this would be. This would be the perfect uh, retirement uh, plan for you, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that would that would be nice. That would be nice, you know. But uh, you know, I'm more. I, I just want to change billiards one youth at a time. You know, the future is just it's there and it's there for our taking. You know, we can we can do what we want with it, and that's what we're doing. Well, right, yeah, and, and that's the best part yeah, is that uh, it, you know, it, the the uh, venue is the word I was trying to spit out there. The venue is ideal. This is an ideal learning exactly. situation. You know what I mean? This is not a pool hall. This is not a, an unsupervised friend's basement or something. It is the ideal place to learn pool is in a school. I'm telling you. Absolutely. You know, it, 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 it seems like if this does grow and if it becomes successful, that colleges might be more apt as well to certainly. Uh, uh, you know, focus on um, uh, some of the billiard stuff. So absolutely, Let, we can't predict where any of it can go. You know how you know how it is. But, uh, <laughs> it's it's always you know it's important to be hopeful, and it's things it's you know having hope. That's that's what that's 
if you didn't have hope, Steve, you wouldn't have done what you're doing now. <laughs> That's <so>. correct. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Awesome. All right. Well, well awesome. thanks for joining uh, joining us this week, Daniel Bush. Ah, thank you very much. Um, I'm going on the road. I'm doing USBA Three Cushion Nationals in Arizona. Yeah. You can tune in June 6th through June the 11th. Uh, check out the best three cushion players in the country yes. live from the Casino del Sol. Yeah, that's going to be good be stuff. Back. And um, I'm, you know, just looking forward to getting back on the road and doing another event. Excellent, excellent. And thank you, Mr. Strange. I know I feel I feel bad calling you Mr. Strange, but <laughs> <laughs> Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange. I I can take it. That's I'm good with that. Uh, hey, I, I really appreciate you guys giving me the time to come on and you know have this audience to, to pitch the, the program. You know, this is this is going to be awesome. Thank you very much, guys. It is going to be awesome. All right, thanks for our listeners for tuning in with us, and we will catch you next week. Right, welcome back, everybody. We have yet another great guest for you this week. This young lady hails from New York, formerly a professional player, formerly a president of the Women's Pool and Billiard Association. She was at one time a senior delegate to the WPA, the World Pool and Billiards Association for the BCA, and she's a BCA master instructor. You know who I'm talking about yet? It's Fran Crimi from New York City. Welcome to the show, Fran. How are you today? Hi, nice to see you. Speak to you, actually, not seeing you. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we can imagine, you know, I'll just pull your picture up on the screen and we can, you know, pretend like we're talking to each other. That'll work, too. <laughs> exactly. Well, you know, you, we have not had you on the show yet, and I, I just got really excited when you agreed to come on and talk to us a little bit, so... Uh, I hope that's. I hope we're not taking up too much of your time there. No, it's my pleasure. Um, I love what you're doing for the game. Keep up the great work. Well, thanks. We we. I mean, we enjoy it. I think. Well, I hope we enjoy it as much as the listeners do. You know, it's uh, it's fun to talk to these guys, and uh, we certainly like to promote and help get the word out and all that kind of good stuff. So. That's great. Good and stuff. we pool players like to talk, so <laughs> it works out. <laughs> yeah, it kind of does, you know. Well, you know, it, it, that's some of the best storytellers, you know, are, are pool players because they end up in some yep. uh, some far-flung places and some unusual situations and all that kind of stuff. Um, it's amazing. The stories are amazing, yes. Yes, absolutely true. Now, you've been a player for a long time as well. And just uh, for those of you that haven't been, fo- or for those that haven't been following your career, when how long have you been playing? Um, well, I started playing when my father bought a pool table for the basement when I was about 14. He anticipated that I'd start dating within a reasonable <laughs> period of time, and he figured, bring the boys to the house. So you can check them out. <laughs> that's kind of how it started. That and I took is to funny. the game. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, and he used to actually do that. He used to inspect the guys that come over the house. And, oh, well, sure. You know, he'd 
<laughs> challenge him to a game of pool. And that's actually how I started. <laughs> that is so, so uh, funny. So it got me all through high school. Yeah, that's true. That is the cutest story ever. I mean, it makes sense, though, really. I mean, it's like, hey, you know, he can't turn down the game, you know. It's like, well, okay, you know, I have to go over there and play Pops, and who knows what's going to happen now. My first boyfriend, he put him through the mill. I mean, he made him play so many games of eight ball. It was ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> Poor guy. <laughs> I know, right? He was sweating it. I, you, you know he had to be sweating that, too. Good grief. So you yep, played yep. at 14 as a way to put your boyfriends through the gauntlet. So uh, when did you, When was there a day that you said, ooh, I want to do this like professionally or did it just, you just kind of slide into it accidentally? I got pushed into it, believe it or not. Okay. Um, I was in college and um, I guess I was, I was attracted to the student union because there were, uh, there was a brand new pool room there with 25 gold crowns. Mm. So I started spending my breaks there. Okay. The, uh, head of the uh, student union took note of me and he said, you know, you could play. He said, uh, listen, we need women to play in our uh, annual pool tournament. So why don't you play? And I said, no. And he <laughs> said, why not? Why not? <laughs> so this is just fun for me. But uh, he said, look, Title IX, we need women. Title IX. <laughs> now, Title IX was that Whatever they did for men in sports, they had to do for women. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I was actually doing him a favor by playing. Uh, yeah. So I agreed. <laughs> Next thing you know, I won. <laughs> Who the heck knew? I just played the least worst. That's all. <laughs> right. And that yeah. was the beginning of it in wow. college. That's yeah. cool. That's cool. I, I skipped many a class to go to the to the the student lounge and play that stupid table. <laughs> I you no know, kidding. I mean, it's <laughs> uh, you know, I, I we joked around about it later. I told one of the professors, you know, you guys got to get those tables out of there <laughs> because <laughs> it, this is really a distraction for me. I mean, like I need I'm trying to not play, but. So you decided to go ahead and go for it, and what, did you just, like, enter local tournaments around town and stuff? Well, what happened was, when I won the uh, college tournament, um, little did I know, it was part of the ACUI system, ah. and uh, so they sent me to the regionals in New Jersey. Okay. And uh, I won the regionals. <laughs> and so then I got invited to play in the nationals at the University of Milwaukee in Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. and finished third in the Nationals that year. So um, wow. shortly after, I got a call from Billy Billing, president of the WPVA at that time, and said, why yeah. don't you come play with us? We heard about you. <laughs> I said, there are women that play professionally? Really? <laughs> I had no idea. I was clueless. That's fantastic. I was studying to be an accountant. Yeah. So, um, and to said, get okay, to get fine. the call from Billy too. I mean, that's kind of epic, really. I mean, uh, you know, really epic, yeah. All things considered. So the know. first tournament I get invited to play in, um, just my luck. Uh, I draw Jean Belucas, my first match. Uh, of course, yeah, <laughs> of course. <laughs> <laughs> and not only that, but the television cameras were there to film Jean's first match. Oh, awesome! So I wound up on TV, my first match ever in a pro tournament, uh -huh. and I think I made three balls. <laughs> I think she beat me. <laughs> I think she beat me 75 to three, or something like that. I scratched three times, so I wound up with three. And um, 
because we were playing straight pool back then. Yeah, yeah. But the funny thing was, I was on the 11 o'clock news that night, and it showed me pocketing three balls, and it showed Gene pocketing three balls, so we looked even. Okay. <laughs> and they, so they took it easy on you a little bit there, huh? <laughs> I know. But after that, I said, you know what? I better practice. <clears throat> oh, so yeah. I started playing. Yeah. yeah, I started really practicing. As, yeah, especially with the likes of Gene and Billy and, uh, you know, uh, Robin and everybody else. I, there, there was yeah. some tough competition to then walk I realized into. What, yeah, then I realized what I was up against. If this wasn't college anymore, these women were tough. Yeah, And yeah. Uh, I got, I hit, you know, put my nose to the grindstone and I started practicing hard. Mm -hmm. And that's, uh, and, then oh, I cool. became, and then I fell in love with the game. That's mm -hmm. fantastic, man. That now, what did you? What, what year did you get like your first significant title, other other than like a local thing? Um, I would have to say that it would be 1986 at, uh, okay. in in uh, Atlantic City. Okay, last call for nine ball. I finished second to Gene Ooh. in that event. That was a big event. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I was pretty proud of that event. That would be my first major accomplishment in the, on the pro circuit. And how, After that, I had several top tens. Right. Hmm? How old were you for that one? Oh, gosh. So if that I was... don't know, but I don't think that's the question you want to ask a woman. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll delete that one from the record there. Uh, <laughs> she, she got it a while back. It's okay, you know, no big deal. Um now, okay, so you went and had a, a fantastic pool career, or did you hate it? No, it was a love-hate relationship. Yeah. There were times where I just couldn't get enough of it. I was absolutely in love with it, mm -hmm. and there were times that I wanted to jump off the nearest balcony. <laughs> uh, so, right. it depends. Right. And that's, I think that's the way it is with any profession. There yeah. are times you love it, and times you question your sanity. Why did I do this? Yeah, yeah, this has got to be true. It's, I mean, really. Um, yeah. Especially if you're that sort of committed to it, you know, where you're eating and sleeping and drinking pool, you know, that's uh, uh Right. You know, I, I don't want to call... But you know, there was, something, you, there was something unique back in those days that, that they don't have as much of today, uh, which was the women pros and the men pros played side by side. Right. And... There was a time for about 15 years after that that they didn't. They, mm. Women had their own tour and the men had their right. own tour. Yeah. And there was a lot of uh, friction between the two groups. Yes. But when we first started out, we went to the same venue and we played side by side. So we really got to know the guys and the guys got to know us really well. Yeah. And we developed a real camaraderie, which you didn't quite have later on when the women had their own tour and the men had their own tour. Right, yeah. That makes sense. That it's makes different. sense. Yeah. Well, so, and there was some head uh, bumping going on along the way, too, you know. Uh, it's, well, you know, I'd, and we don't even have to go into all that. Um, at what point did you get involved in teaching? Um, I started teaching probably around 1990 when I became the house pro at okay. Corner Billiards. Okay. Then um, I started teaching the customers that were asking for lessons. Okay. And so, and also around that same time, 
John Lewis contacted me and said, we have a new program called the BCA Instructor Program. Right. Would you like to be an instructor in the program? So I was grandfathered into that program. Okay. Very good. But it did take me a period of seven years to uh, go through the whole process of upgrading to various levels. Right. And there was a lot of testing. I had to travel to other instructors. And seven years later, I became the first woman to be a master instructor. Really? That was pretty cool. Yeah, I did did not know that. I did not know that. Well, that's pretty cool. Huh. Yeah. That's fantastic. Are are there any other ones? There's one other woman, uh, Linda Radford. Okay. Bob Radford's wife. Right. Okay. Fantastic. Bob Radford is also a master instructor, and Linda is a master instructor. Mm -hmm. Both very qualified. Excellent. Um, I don't know if any other women have gotten to to be master instructors. I might have missed someone, but I don't know offhand. Right, right, right. But um, there aren't many of us. Yeah, I was just trying to think. I know a, a couple of female instructors, but I'm not sure if they've uh, gone through the process or not. So that's a good question. Well, right. I mean, uh, obviously the the world of women's pool is is and always has been different than the world of men's pool, even when you guys are playing side by side. Um, as far as the acceptance and the comfort level for ladies in the pool world, how do you think it compares today to, say, you know, uh, 1980 to 1960? Is there a difference? Oh, big difference. Of course big there difference. is, yes. Yeah. Well, first of all, women, uh, the women's um, level of play has significantly improved since those days. I would agree. Yeah. So that's a big thing. But also, uh, the ESPN exposure was a big help sure. because we were introduced to the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, people didn't know we even existed. The only people, our all tournaments were in local poems for mm-hmm. a while. Right, right. So, I mean, I, I remember when I was president of the WPBA after Billy Billing, we had a total prize fund of $500. Wow. A total prize fund, yeah. I mean, we were playing for love of the game. Yeah, yeah. So, as far as putting hours into practice, I mean, what was the benefit at the end of it all? Maybe a $50 prize? Exactly, exactly. Well, right, and the men are still facing that conundrum today where, you know, who can afford to dedicate their lives to that high, highest level of play whenever you can't even afford to go to all the events to, you know, in the first place, because they don't pay out. You know, it's a it's a sticky place these, to be. I know the men. They they see these guys playing golf, and they see what these what they're making. And these men that are playing pool are working just as hard as these golfers are. Mm-hmm. They're working just as hard on their game. Right. But exactly, there's no reward. Right. The yeah. um, the the system is all out of whack. <laughs> It's, it is. It's just, it is. well, and you know, I, I think you know probably more so than me, obviously, because you were uh, uh, in directorial positions more so than myself, but it's not a, there's not a single answer, and there's not a single problem. It's a multifaceted issue where, you know, you can't put your finger over one hole because then you got five other holes, and you can't build one new event because that only serves one group of people in one certain area and to everybody else it's not worth it so there you know there's a lot of ways you know to change things 
but unfortunately one or two can't be done by themselves it's kind of like it needs a whole revamping from the bottom up kind of a thing you know well you know it's interesting i mean the professional I'm sure you game remember, well yeah but you if you remember the resurgence of the game when the color of money came out right now there was not a systematic some a plan that was put into place to um to get the game interesting again to people. But that movie created such such interest in the game. Poems were popping up everywhere, and they became upscale poems, uh, popping right. up all over the place. Yes. And so there you have a situation that wasn't planned. You're right. But it created this huge demand for the game. Right, right. And since then, we haven't been able to find that key that creates that demand. Right, to make it cool. Well, and that's the thing. You're absolutely right. You hit the nail on the head. What it was, in essence, was an inadvertent marketing campaign for Pool. It was a a mainstream movie with with two of the most popular actors ever, ever. Um, You know, one of the best directors, or one of the most popular, also one of the most popular directors ever, um, and it just so happens that they're playing pool. They could have been playing shuffleboard, and all of a sudden you would have had people out. You know what I mean? It was a exactly whatever you know the game that they were playing. They made it look appealing and good boy, bad boy kind of a way. And they didn't set out to change the industry, but they did. You know, and like you said, right. since that hasn't happened, at, or we haven't done it, the same exact thing ourselves. That's why we're not seeing the. The trend out there, people. There have, there have been people who tried with various films yeah. to try to, you know, get interest again. True. But they haven't worked. Not to the extent that the Hustler was the first one. There was a, a resurgence in the game when the Hustler came out. Yeah. And these little these poems started popping up with uh, multicolored cloths. I remember. Yeah. To entice women to play. That was after the Hustler. Then the Color of Money which had people walking around flipping cues around with the <laughs> I mean, we would, It was like a war zone. We were dodging cues being flipped. It was terrible for a long time. But it was worth it because the, the resurgence was incredible. Yeah. Well, and you know, like there I said, uh, yeah, there hasn't, and well, any not anything successful anyway. You know, the 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 right, right the right approach could it could be done, and uh, you know, once you get those eyes on it. Then the sponsors don't have money throwing money at it, you know, because it gets. But I have an idea. Yeah. But I'm working on a. I'm writing a book. <laughs> oh I have really? Mm hmm. Yeah. Okay. Can't tell you anything about it yet, but okay. it's in the works. Very good. And I think it's good. I think it's going to be good. It's going to be. So good. I'm a pretty good writer. I've gotten some good feedback <laughs> on my writing, so I think it might work. Okay. Now. So I'm not giving <clears throat> up on the game yet. Is the book specifically? just a plan or is it just a book but it also has the plan in there somewhere exactly okay it's a book that has the plan in there okay exactly okay. but you know what it's 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 almost like um the plan is sort of a natural um reaction to the book i mean if you just can't help it they work together the right it's really got some really good material i think in it that anybody would be interested in. Excellent. So let's see what happens. 
Okay. Yeah. What are we? I'm, uh, I'm excited about. We're looking at about a year timeline. I was just gonna say, yeah. What? What's the time frame here on this? Another year yeah. out. I'm not taking. I'm. I'm not going to rush this. Okay. I'm taking my time, and I'm going to make it right. Good. Very good. Very good. No. So we have Michelle? a book to look forward to. That's exciting. <laughs> I, well, uh, I'll keep the fingers crossed that it, it turns out well because I think uh, <laughs> it can help. This will help. It won't hurt. It won't hurt the industry by any means. Yeah, it, it, it'll help. The question is how much. Yeah, that's true. Well, and that's so, you know that's the funny thing about it. You know, you can lead the horse to water, but you can't make it drink. Kind of thing. You know, so, yeah. sometimes the best plans uh, doesn't help because nobody wants to lift a finger to do anything about it. You know what I mean? But the thing is, yeah, see, it has to appeal to the mainstream. It has to appeal to people who don't play pool. Right, right. That's the key. Right, and that comes down to presentation, storytelling, you know, that whole bit. Mm-hmm. It, they make television right. shows all the time about mundane subjects, and I'm going to use this as an example because I love this show. I haven't watched it in a season, but Gold Rush, you ever watch the Gold Rush show? I think maybe yes. Okay. I, think I may have watched it. it. I mean, it's go ahead. It's three or four seasons deep now. I mean, like it's several years. This show has been going on, but I just happened to have catch, you know, caught the first episodes where it was just a regular family from like Oregon, and they were tight on money, got laid off or something. So they got a group of friends together, went to Alaska, and literally out of the back of their truck started mining for gold. Right, I saw I saw a couple of those shows. They were gotcha. fascinating. fascinating. Well, right, yeah. there, there was the part about the mining part was cool too, but the, what should be noticed is that they didn't give you an hour-long show with a camera on a gold sifter. They told the story of what these people were going through every day. And you right. got you got wrapped up in their character and their in, in their life and you started worrying about the same things that they're worried about, you know. It's it's about the story getting the people in, behind right. that story. So just like with the hustler, you know, they could have been playing shuffleboard. These guys could have been out there mining for you know mud worms or something else. It doesn't really matter because the storytelling was done so well that they right. got they draw you know drew me in and I had to keep watching to find out what was going to happen next and it turned out to be a right. great series. But um, you know it. And that's not something I could have predicted. It's not like a, a, a game where I knew there was going to be a Super Bowl at the end that you know I get to watch. It was just so well done that it was like, wow, I can't wait yeah. to, yeah. I, I can't wait to find out what happens next season. You know, it was that exactly. It was that's that good. Right. good storytelling. Right, right. Here's a tidbit for you from the um, Color of Money. You may not know this. Um, in New London, Connecticut, I sat next. I had I was playing I was playing in a tournament or refereeing, but at that point I was refereeing the men. I think the women had finished in Cy and Dolly Expat's pool room. I mm-hmm. sat in the audience next to Walter Tevis, who was working on Ooh. his book the Color of Money. <laughs> so we started a conversation. I didn't even know he was writing it. And he, said, and he said to me, I'm working on this book now, the sequel to The Hustler. I said, no kidding, that's really great. He said, yes. He said, I'm following around um, David Howard. <laughs> and I'm studying him. And I believe that he became 
the Tom Cruise character became David Howard. Yeah, yeah. He molded him after him. That is interesting. So, that is very interesting. Yeah. Well, that I got another one for you related to that same movie. Uh, you know Forrest Whitaker. You know who he is, right? Yeah, sure. Um, uh, um, the director, Martin uh, Scorsese, um, was out here in Chicago, and they had uh, sort of commandeered this billiard club called the Illinois Billiard Club, and they were doing castings there. And uh, so Forrest was there to um, try out for the part that he got, ultimately, in the movie, that uh, the hustler guy that dupes the other guy, you know, the... You know the whole story, but yeah. So, interestingly enough, the other person that they had trying out for that part was Bugs Rucker. Really? Yes. So, wow. Yeah. So it was initially, I think they were leaning towards Bugs because you know he was a real player, and right. so but they had him there and they had him run through some lines and stuff, and uh, Forrest uh, Whitaker was in the other room rehearsing. And the owner of the club came walking through. And now, of course, he didn't have anything to do with casting. He was just there. But he walked by and uh, Forrest said to him, You know, uh, I don't know how this is going to go, but I really want this part really, really bad. So if there's huh. anything that you can say to Mr. Scorsese, you know, that will help me get the part, or if there's anything you can tell me, you know, anything you can do, please let me know, you know, whatever, i got to have this part. And uh, the owner of the club said, you know what, I'll be honest with you, Martin does not know me from Adam, you know, obviously, so my word's not going to mean anything to him. But (laughs) if it makes you feel any better, Bugs cannot remember his lines. That's funny. So I think you're in, you know, and sure enough, sure enough, uh, Forrest Whitaker uh, got the part and Bugs did not. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. That's cool. That's I know. Cool. Oh. I was like, that's wow. Terrible. I know. I was like, dang, you know. He you... turned one of his own in. He turned his, he turned on <laughs> one of his own. No. Oh, this is that oh, cutthroat, man. cutthroat acting, remember. you know. <laughs> I remember they were in um, they were in Chicago doing a lot of stuff. They filmed the big tournament in Chicago, the yeah. big uh, Atlantic City tournament in Chicago, right? Yes, because yes. We had a tournament there, and I remember playing on the floor, and my opponent saying, coming up to me and saying, "Look up in the stands. Look in the look in the top row. You see the guy with the sunglasses." Yeah, that's Paul Newman. He's watching us. I'm like, uh, no way. Are you kidding me? Okay. Paul Newman is watching us. No pressure. Yeah, no pressure. Mm-hmm. No pressure at all. You know? <laughs> it's yeah. That's kind that of like funny. that's like stepping up to the TV table on your first professional tournament, and there's Gene Belucas standing there, and you're like, oh yeah. yeah. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. yeah, exactly. This is great. Exactly. <laughs> that's all I need right now. <laughs> So I've been thrown under pressure from the beginning, so yeah. I kind of got used to it after a while. Yeah. Hey, man, if that you know, if that's uh, you know, that makes or breaks players, really. You know that you know that just yeah. as much as anybody. You know, some people thrive off of it, and and, and it crushes others. So, right, it's really right. Yeah. It, inevitable that you're you going to have, have to face it at some point. You know. That's right. You have to be able to deal with it, and uh, it's it's part of it goes with the territory. If you want to be a professional player, yeah. 
you know, you're going to have to manage pressure. Absolutely. No Absolutely true. And speaking of pressure, we are running out of time. So I am going to go ahead and uh, give you a great big thank you for taking the time to talk to us today. My pleasure. Glad to help. Awesome, awesome. And what it's is... great talking to you too, David. Uh, really, keep doing what you're doing for the game. I think thank it's you. terrific. Thank you. I am going to try my best. What, uh, okay. What's in your future? Um, the book. The book. The book. Okay, good, good, yeah. good, good. Mm-hmm. Well, then, in that but case... But I'm continuing to teach, too. Also continuing to teach. Good. Very good. I'd like mm-hmm. to hear that. Hopefully, you can um, also help us keep the game uh, active by, you know, bringing new players in and making them better and helping them to enjoy the game more, you know, getting more out of it, that kind of thing. Right. I will. So, awesome. Thank you. All right. Well, everybody, we will catch you uh, next week right here on American Billiard Radio.